Friday! Oh my god. Happy Friday, beautiful people. Y'all made it. We made it. We all walking into Friday together. Welcome to Love Babs, Love Talk on by Babs Rolls Ivy. Uh, it's been a Friday. Uh, I got the Lieutenant Governor coming up in about 15 minutes. She's coming in on 9.15. So she's going to be with me for a hot 15 minutes. She's going to come and talk about the uh, the Lieutenant Governors of 22 states uh, and territories uh, created a coalition to protect reproductive freedom. They're not playing. <laughs> Y'all. Yeah, this is this is what I'm not one of your little friends look like. <laughs> these 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 uh lieutenant governors are not playing and they are and they're doing all they can to ensure that women have access um uh to uh the health care that they need. So she's gonna come on and talk about how this came about, why it's necessary. Uh so she'll be on at 9 15. She'll only be with me for 15 minutes. Normally I usually have her for a long time, but she is taking this message far and wide. And uh I just happen to be one of the stops on the far and wide. So I am I'm very happy uh that I get to talk to her. Um so let me tell you the states. Arizona, uh uh California, Connecticut, Colorado, Delaware. Guam, Hawaii, Illinois, uh, the president of the Maine Senate, uh, Troy Jackson, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, uh, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, Vermont, Washington, and Wisconsin. So they are they are going to be about it. Let me tell you what our governor said. Our governor is not playing because, you know, we already have this codified, but a lot of states don't. And uh, and they're working to do that. And they're working to make sure uh, that they uh, that they do right by women. This is really what this is. Do right by women. And uh, and and when women are done right by men benefit. <laughs> Although I did hear uh, uh, I, I did hear in the news uh, that. Um, vasectomies are on the rise uh, because men are men are waking up. They're like, "Ooh, I can't get caught out there. <laughs> I can't get caught out there." So, so our governor, our lieutenant governor, said this is an important moment. Overturning Roe v. Wade was only the beginning, and as we as we await a decision from a federal court in Texas targeting the most commonly used method of abortion care. The need for states to stand firm with our patients and providers is clear. And she is absolutely right. So she's going to come on at 9.15 and a hard stop at 9.30 to just talk about what this means and how this came about. You know, like, I would have loved to have been on that call, right? Somebody circulate, like, listen, let's get the lieutenant governors on this. Uh, you know, let's get them involved. Let's get them uh, activated around this issue. And uh, 22 of them. So dare say the other rest of the country, I don't know what they up to. I don't I don't know. So I'll ask that question. Just like just 22 are more joining or, you know, is it politically uh, uh, hard for them to, to to join in or something like that? Who knows? Anyway, so yesterday I was at the uh, opening symposium for Facing uh, Life, the uh, the symposium put on by 
the uh, Justice, the Race and Justice Center at Yale and the law school and uh, Jerome Betts um, uh, uh, organization, uh, Read and uh, uh, Freedom Reads. And so uh, they, I got yesterday to spend the afternoon with uh, some of the folks from the Visiting Room Project. And if you've not had a chance to go to the Visiting Room Project, please just find them on the on the internet. Uh, they have a whole website, Visiting Room. I think it's visitingroom.org, visitingroom.com. And uh, you will be quite moved. So anyway, some of the some of the men that were a part of the 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 the, the piece, the Visiting Room Project, were in the space last yesterday. They came into town yesterday, um, so they could be part of the symposium yesterday and today. And I was so moved. Like I. You know, I, I'm glad that I'm still moved by things. Uh, I'm glad that I'm not jaded and hard into things. Because uh, I was so, I was near tears. I was sitting next to Barbara Fair last night and we were watching the video. And I just thought, what in God's name? Um, and, you know, if, I, and if, if I've never was sure that I wanted to be an attorney in this moment, in this moment, I, I that that the video solidified it for me. You know, I I think we just need people on the ground to just good men of women of conscience and the ability to wade through uh, and get through uh, the Elsa and law school so that you could be. Now, by the time I finish, uh, I, I turn sixty. By the time I finish, I'll be sixty three. Right? That's more than enough time. <laughs> It's going to be a hard ass road, but I think there's more than enough time to sort of see this through. Uh, and I, I was just so moved by, I was just so moved by just the moment. And uh, so more of the symposium is starting now, this morning, uh, and will go on into the night. So I'm going to catch the, the latter part of the day because uh, I won't be able to get over there in the morning because uh, I've got... Lieutenant Governor Bicewitz coming on in a few minutes. And my dear friend and great love, Patty Russo from the campaign school at Yale, uh, as they are gearing up to train more women to run for, well, people, to train more people of good conscience to run for office. You know, it used to be just the campaign school for women, but now it it is, it, the inclusivity uh, is recognized in this name change, the campaign school at Yale. And so uh, I just, uh, so that, that, that is so appropriate that it comes on the heels of speaking to the Lieutenant governor. You know, I just think that's, you know, there's stuff that we can do. We are not powerless citizens. We are not, there are tools at our disposal and the right to vote. If I, if I could impress upon you how important it is to vote. And if you understood all the dynamics that are used and all the energy that are used to wrestle your vote from you, you would be hitting those polls in record numbers. And not just for presidential campaigns, for the for your local campaigns. Because I'm telling you, there are forces that are very real that are trying to keep you from your right to vote and using any and every means necessary to do that, including prison including prison. So you don't got to take my word for it. Just fall down the rabbit hole. Just go down the rabbit hole of information 
about what all of this means and what all of this is. You don't got to take my word for it. You got to take my word for ish. You can follow the bouncing ball, and but be prepared. Because once you know the truth, babies, you cannot look away. You just can't. You can't. I know no one who knows the truth and can look away. Well, I do know people who know the truth and look away, but that's that's a horse of another color. So uh, so as I wait for Lieutenant Bicewitz to come on uh, and we talk about this, uh, you know, this 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 nouveau freedom fighting Justice League that they created. <laughs> they not play. These people are not playing. <laughs> they are out here. So I I am. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking to her and she can just, you know, tell me uh, what what this is about and uh, and why it's so important. And uh, and and why Connecticut is is joined because you know we don't we don't codified ours into uh, into law so you know, that means nobody can mess with it but you know anything can be anything done can be undone I say I know that for true so you know it's, it, it, yeah it's in law but you know laws change all the time all the time all the time all the time laws change all the time so. Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, that's that's my my thing for the first few minutes of the show, and then I picked up the uh the uh angle light, the prison news magazine, which I had no idea was such a thing, but I have it. I picked it up last night at the symposium. Uh, I'm gonna pour pour through it. Uh, and uh, I met some really interesting people last night. I met a guy who um. I met a man who served 28 years in prison for a crime he did not commit. And he became a jailhouse lawyer and freed himself. And now he's, uh, in about two weeks, he graduates from law school. Uh, and it was such a delight to talk to him and, and, uh, and you know, and, and get his pearls of wisdom about the uh, LSAT. <laughs> he's like, Babs, they ain't telling you to pass it. It's telling you to take it. <laughs> He's like, but the higher you do, the more money you get. <laughs> I was like, okay, sir. <laughs> I'm I'm a I'm a I was step up my game to get good at this. Uh he's like, it's just that just let him break let it break you down on how you think. Okay. I'm doing that. I feel every bit of it. So um I'm gonna get his phone number before he goes. Uh, because he was just a lovely, I mean, they're all lovely people to talk to, and they've served considerable amounts of time, you know. 25 30 years uh in in angola in louisiana i i don't i can't even wrap my brain around that i can't even i don't even know i don't even want to tell these men i serve time because that really really i it, it does not i i can't even stand in that space you know so anyway it was uh it was something and uh i I wish that uh, more people can uh, make it to the uh, to the symposium because it is uh, it is something. It is. It really is something, and I want people to go. So, and uh, you know, and yeah, it is something. So. Anyway, uh, let's see what's happening. Waiting for the good lieutenant governor to sign in. Um, 
but yeah, so when I when I finish up here this morning, I'll run over to the inner city, handle some stuff. Uh, I got some things to do today. Uh, I got some studying to do. Uh, I got homework to do. <laughs> I, I got work to do. I got work, baby. I got a job, baby. Yes, a lot to do. And, and I have news, but I, I think I'll save my news for next week. I think I'll just save it for next week because, you know, I'll just save it for next week. I can't put, I, you know what? The day is already full. The day is full of information. So I'll just, uh, I'll save it for next week. It, it'll sit. It'll sit chill. And, uh, you know, yeah, that's it. That's what I know. That's what I know. That's what I know. Uh, so, yeah, if you have opportunity, though, um, facing life is uh, up on social media. I tried to share it as far and wide as I could. Uh, oh, and, you know, we, we spent some time. I took the, I took them on a tour yesterday, a walking tour. Thank you to the African-American Historical Society. Um, I had a brochure that I had and uh, took them on a, on a slight walking tour because it was so cold. Very cold yesterday, so we popped by, drove by places. Okay, here comes the um the good lieutenant governor, uh Susan Bicewitz. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing her this morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Haven't good. seen, chatted with you. Nice to see you. Happy spring. I know, happy spring. I see you out there doing doing some good fight work out there <laughs> absolutely every day every day That's now think about who, my job who, whose idea is it to convene 22 states and territories uh and create a co coalition to protect repro reproductive freedom i knew it was you i knew you were the ringleader <laughs> so i i was but i will say that i here's how i got the idea Babs, I saw that the governors had put together a coalition to do the same thing. And I thought, you know, there are, while there are 12 female governors out of 50, there are many, many more um, female lieutenant governors. Okay. There are 15 Democrats, but there are also um, probably 10 Republicans. And I thought to myself, um, Women, of course, have a big stake in this fight. And uh, also the lieutenant governors in my coalition are very diverse, um, Black, Hispanic. Um, and I thought we need to, to convene a group to fight this because we all have platforms and bully pulpits in our own state mm -hmm. to, um, to do this. And I also thought that it would be uh, very helpful to find out what other states are doing in the face of threats to women's reproductive freedom in the courts, in state legislatures. Um, so it is a way for us to share the best ideas for legislation, best practices, best administrative policies. And so uh, I was able to gather 22 uh, lieutenant governors um, the governor's got 20. So just saying, 
Yeah. And so where are the rest of these people? Like, are they are they in opposition to this kind of coalition building? Yes. So I did <laughs> I did ask some Republicans and I got a, some very hard nose on that. Um, but I also asked some Democratic colleagues. And one was interesting in Kansas. Kansas, you remember, had a referendum on choice mm-hmm. and it won by 20 percent. Right. Because if you ask regular people, what do they think? Should we be um, taking away women's access to health care and abortion? The answer is overwhelmingly absolutely not. So I asked my colleague in Kansas who is saying that the referendum won by 20 percent, but he wouldn't sign on. So really? Yeah. Yeah. And also there are some an, an example of a Democrat who is pro-choice, a uh, Governor Bashir in mm-hmm. Kentucky is pro-choice, but he and his Lieutenant Governor Jacqueline Coleman are in this razor thin um, race for governor and Lieutenant Governor. They're up this year. Um, he will veto anything that comes to his desk, but he doesn't want to nationalize the issue. I just think it's important for all of us who are pro-choice to know what's happening because now it's the fight is at the state level. We're the firewall. Mm-hmm. Wow. That yeah. is very interesting. And I, I, I didn't know all that background uh, story. Um, so, uh, so while you're out here talking to these, the 22 who are with you, <laughs> the 21 who are with you. Yeah. Um, so uh, how much in worlds do you think? Are you, are you, are y'all going to spend your, t- I mean, I know you're going to do best practices, but yep. do you spend some time talking to the ones who didn't join you and sort of gently yes. having conversations with them? Yes. And, and maybe not so gently, but yes. <laughs> Yes. No, absolutely. Um, And here's the other thing that we've done already, because we are getting prepared. There is a court case in Texas. Yes. It's looking at um, whether to take away FDA approval of the abortion medication that half the women who have abortions in our country take uh, more than 5 million women over the past 20 years have taken it safely. But this court is looking at possibly revoking the FDA's approval. So our group has already met with the National Planned Parenthood organization to say, what are we looking at? When is this happening? Um, What should we do? And so uh, we've already, we've been talking about what we've already done, but we've also been looking at what are the other threats that are out there? Um, You know, the Democratic attorneys general have a group that has been filing lawsuits in various states. They've weighed in on this case in Texas. So it's just a matter of um, getting prepared, talking to one another and sharing, sharing resources. So what do you make of all this? I mean, you know, did we ever think in our lifetime that they would come to this or did we always have it in the back of our minds that they would come for this? You know, um, this is one of those moments in our history where we are taking away 
long established rights, right? Um, this year would be the 50th anniversary of Roe versus Wade, right? And, you know, we've not seen the reversal of fundamental rights like this, but we are seeing other attacks on women uh, across our country in the and in the Supreme Court and in the state legislatures, right? Um, more than 15 states have uh, banned or restricted abortion since the ruling that you raised since the Dobbs case. Uh, and states are also now trying to attack the LGBTQ plus mm. community. We see it in our state legislature. Senator Sampson has put in three bills um, that attack the rights of the of these this community. And um, you know, we see it in the voting rights arena too, right? States are taking action to try to restrict voting. So it is uh, very concerning. And that's why some of the states in our group, like Delaware, have actually passed a state constitutional amendment mm. to protect abortion rights. In our state, we have a statute that gets attacked every year. We have not yet passed a constitutional amendment. So, and in this environment, it makes you wonder whether uh, that's something that we should do because the Supreme Court has said, these decisions are gonna be up to the states. Um, but I worry that our Supreme Court is gonna continue to act and then we're gonna be in the courts again. So, you know, we, we just have to state by state do what we can to protect people's rights. I, I saw the press conference. You were standing. You had some folks. Uh, I know you had the folks from Planned Parenthood. I'm yes. on the board of Planned Parenthood Southern New England. Um, and so uh, before, because I know you have a hard stop at, at, in a few minutes. Um, impress upon us, uh, Lieutenant Governor, uh, how dire and how challenging this moment is and how important it is to sort of all hands on deck for this, for women's reproductive health? You know, uh, first I'll say that the most basic right that we as people, that we as women have is the right to decide what we do with our bodies, uh, when to have children. Um, and now that is under attack. And at the same time, that really affects um, the economic security and future of girls and women. Because if you can't decide uh, when to be pregnant, then you, you have no power over your future. And that's why this is so dire. I mean, there's, there's no more fundamental right than bodily autonomy and the right to decide what your future is. And, you know, my, my, my girls, uh, my, my daughters, uh, who are both um, in their late 20s, were just so devastated 
when they heard about this decision and they're pretty savvy, you know, they grew up in a household where people paid attention to current events and politics, but this was the first time they were both motivated to go to protest, to go out in the streets of New York city and say that they oppose this. And I think uh, it is particularly important uh, for those in vulnerable communities who have less choices, the fewer resources that you have, the more difficult it becomes to access healthcare. Um, and that's why, you know, the BIPOC community is at grave risk in our country right now. Mm. So. Well, I know you will keep us updated and I want you to come back and so you can spend more time so we can catch up on all the other things which is so much fun. Thank you so much. <laughs> I would love to do that. We'll make a time. Yes. And lovely uh, to see you with your cool glasses. And <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I love your necklace. You look great. You always look great. Thank you. you. Well, great. I'm about to go to the Capitol to raise the first ever trans flag because it's Trans Visibility Day over our oh. Capitol. Isn't that cool? Yes, that is very cool. Boy, we have come a long way. Yes, we have. Yes, and we that's have. An, and that's another fight that that we have to have too about you know the rights of trans people and 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 how to you know allow them to have autonomy over who they are and who they wish to be. So exactly right, exactly right. Well, listen, happy Friday to you. Thanks, thanks everybody, and I appreciate you having me. All right, I'll see you soon, good Lieutenant Governor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Samantha Taylor. All right. So that's uh, Susan, uh, Lieutenant Governor Susan Beiswitz. And uh, she, of course, she's the ringleader. <laughs> of course, of course, she is rallying the other states. That's what she does. Um, so I, I'm very happy to, uh, uh, to, to know her. And I, I shall be back on because she likes coming on this show, which is really nice, which I'm very happy about. So I look forward to uh, seeing her and... Uh, talking more about what she's got on her plate. I follow her on Instagram. You, She's like the James Brown of politics. <laughs> like Susan Beisowitz is like James Brown of lieutenant governors. She is always everywhere. Uh, I see her everywhere. Um, and, and, and her husband too. They, they, they just, they get around. They get around the state. Uh, we have no better representation, let me tell you. So, uh, so yeah, uh, women's right, a woman's right to choose is a woman's right to choose. And damn you if you don't, if you don't believe that. And you don't get to tell me what to do with my body. You don't get to tell me. I get to decide when I want to have children or not have children. I get to decide what's in my best interest. And that supersedes religious belief and cultural beliefs or whatever. I get to decide. And that's and that's the message. I don't care what you think morally or not or whatever, whatever. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, I get to decide and I need the right to decide, you know, because we can't go back to women doing just desperate things, desperate things. We can't go back to that, you know. And and let me tell you something. Rich women will be able to do whatever the hell they want. Women of means will this won't even affect. It, it is women who don't have means, who depend on a Planned Parenthood, who depend on a uh, 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 Planned Parenthood to sort of provide these kinds of services. That, that's what that, you know, uh, uh, women of, of less means, 
uh, a meager means have to have access. So, you know, I, who are we kidding? <laughs> who who are we kidding? Women of means, I got to deal with this. But women of means are willing to fight and and to share their 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 resources and their blessings, uh, so that women who have less um, can uh, stand on equal footing for reproductive health. That's where we are, you know. So when you are raising when you, when we are raising money, when Planned Parenthood is raising money and asking rich people, listen, your money is going to support not y'all, women who have less, women who have less women who have less so there you go that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> that's all i'm gonna say to you so anyway thank you for that lieutenant governor bicewitz so uh it is friday what are you getting into friday i think the weather looks good i, I hear there might be some rain in the forecast maybe tomorrow i don't know but right now it doesn't look terribly uh overcast outside I think it might be warmer than it was yesterday. So there's that. Uh, so get into it, people. Let's see. Oh, my weather is not coming up. Okay. All right, weather. Be funky if you want to. Come on, weather. Weather app. <laughs> I was trying to get some weather information. So uh, anyway, ah, it is Friday. So let me get back to uh, the visiting room project and the time that I spent with uh, some of the folks, the men who uh, who are visiting us from uh, uh, mostly from Louisiana, uh, who spent, oh my God, 25 upwards years in Angola in Louisiana. And you know, Angola prison sits on an old plantation and the prison itself literally sits where a plantation house uh, was. And uh, the the labor that men were doing with literally picking cotton and all the things that you as a slave you would do on a plantation. And if that is not unconscionable, I don't I don't understand what is. Uh, we have a real problem in this country with prison. And even though uh, the prison population is on decline, uh i i feel like i feel like uh that tide will turn again uh even though we know that prisons are a drain on state budgets a, a absolute drain an absolute drain and does not make good sense um and we really need to reimagine how we dole out punishment in this country um, and really do a deep dive on all the racist implications of that um, and and it is such a heavy lift. You know, sitting in the room last night and watching the visiting room videos and just and then listening to the panel of uh, of men uh, and the sociologists who started it, um, just listening to them uh, talk about, you know, what this means and what this is, um, it it can feel overwhelming. 
Like you, you could walk away feeling like, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> but there's this, this adage out there that says, how do you eat an elephant? Well, one bite at a time. Uh, there's a lot to pick apart. But uh, what, what I am most hopeful about in regards uh, to, to what I heard last night, what I am most hopeful is that uh, men and women of conscience, men and women of conscience can at any point step in and, and make a difference and disrupt any prison, any pipeline to prison that whether it be the school to prison pipeline, whether it be recidivism uh, pipeline to prison, may it be uh, not enough reentry services pipeline to prison, um, may it be uh, parole violation uh, pipeline to prison. There are many, 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 many uh, pipelines to prison that we that we don't even discuss doesn't even get to the public stage it's one of those if you know you know um there's so many uh pipelines to prison that don't see the that does not get you know we talk about the school to prison pipeline all the time it's shocking but there's so many other pipelines uh that don't get addressed and at any and at any point, people, men and women of good conscience, can disrupt, meaning that you can have some some inroads into dismantling these pipelines and uh, dismantling prison systems. You know, prison systems were designed not so much not to. solve the problem of crime, but to curtail movement of people of color and to and to make a real dent in that and to and and to shut down access to voting. See, it's these kinds of things. And and then people people don't like to think about these things because they cannot wrap their brains around where where they are now and the country that they live in. They just can't imagine that there are forces in place that are that are deliberate in their attempts to keep people uh, out of economic uh, uh, growth, out of voting, out of good schools, out of good neighborhoods. Like that is still real. That's not a 1950s left in the past thing. Redlining is still real. Access to capital for small businesses or businesses of color is still problematic. Uh, neighborhoods that don't see any reinvestment dollars, that is still very real. That's not 1950 or 1960 or 1970. That's 2023. This is still a problem. And we still have issues of housing. We still have issues of healthcare. We still have issues of education. We still have issues of, of economic development. We still have, I mean, it goes on and on and on and on and on. And until we get to the root of it, and I don't mean just like, oh, let's just have a conversation. I mean, putting things structurally in place to undo wrongs and moving forward 
don't have any more uh, of these outcomes. Ah, <sighs> my people, my people. It makes me want to holler the way they do my life. <laughs> this ain't living. This ain't living. <laughs> makes me want to holler the way they do my life. This ain't living. This ain't living. So, uh, and and I and I think until you sit and listen to these men talk about and hear their stories, you know, they gone into prison when they were 17 years old, 20 years old, 24, I mean, and then do 25, 30, 40 years, 50 years of time. It's just uh, unconscionable. It's just unconscionable. And, and until everyday citizens have to reckon with these outcomes, you know, on a, in a real way, until they make the correlation between uh, how people go to prison and who's in prison, until they're ready to reconcile that, uh, uh, it, it, it's not going to, it's not going to register with them, you know, and we have to, um, we have to do better. And we can do better. Here, here's the thing. We have the tools to do better. We we have so many tools, so many tools to do better. So many tools to do better. Uh, and, and if there's not enough tools, guess what we can do? We can create tools uh, to move people. You know, you know, I, I don't want to have any more. Um, I don't want to have any more conversations about what people think they're going to do as mayor in this town. Don't call me about a damn thing. I don't want to hear it. I'm not interested. Show me better than you can tell me. I don't, I don't want to hear what you think. What are you doing? And if you come, come and you don't got nobody at work to support what you think you want to do, step off. I, I just, I don't have no patience with Johnny come lately. I have no patience for people who don't even know where all the schools are in this town. Hell, I don't know where all the schools are in this town, and this is my town. But I need the effort. So go do what you do. I, I don't, I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to feel a little bit disillusioned. I, now, I'm never going to not vote. So hear me. Let me make this very clear. I am never not going to vote. I don't give a damn if the choice is Godzilla and Megalon. I'm always going to vote. <laughs> I, too many people have lost their lives for this right. Too many people have laid down their lives. Too many people thought this was important. So I'm never going to be cavalier about the right to vote. Never, never, never. I don't give a damn if it's uh, whoever it is, I, I will make a choice. I will find a way to make a choice. I will find a way to make a choice because it's too important to me. And and you know, it's and I know it's a level of privilege and elitism to say, well, I I don't like these candidates. I don't like poverty. But guess what? I gotta, I have I have a right to do something about it, right? I have a responsibility to do something about it. So that's what I'm gonna do. So I, I'm never gonna not vote. And believe me, you, there are moments where I'm like, I should just not vote. And I'm ashamed to even say that. I never want to say that. I never want to say that. 
Because then that says to me, when I say, when I hear people say that, when I say it, I know that that is a level of privilege that my ancestors did not have. That's that's a place of privilege that my ancestors did not have. And, and I ought to be ashamed for saying it. Honest to God, you should be ashamed for saying it. You should be ashamed to say, well, I, I don't like these candidates. I ain't like slavery. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like these high ass taxes, but guess what? Guess what? If you don't pay your tax, guess what happens? So, you know, think about this. So listen, put aside, put aside your privilege and everybody has some privilege. Put aside your privilege and think about, listen, you know, now just because I don't want to talk to candidates doesn't mean that I'm not interested in candidates. I'm I'm sitting from a perch and I'm looking and I'm paying attention. I, I don't have no advice. I, I don't have any advice. None. Unless you listen to my show, it's unsolicited. I got I got tons of unsolicited advice. You know, listen to the show. You'll know where I stand. You know where I stand. I it's unconscionable that we we still trying to we still trying to figure out how to teach children to read. I that makes no damn sense to me. I don't understand it. I don't give a damn. You can't make me understand it. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get why we're wrestling with this. I don't, I don't understand why we are still wrestling with how to teach children to read when we know how to teach children to read. I I was sitting with a child the other day who I I know he was, he learned sight reading. And if you if you don't sign out the word, how do you know the word? You're just guessing. We really want to raise up a generation of kids guessing at pictures. I think that's a cat. I think the cat is walking. The cat is walking. <laughs> okay. And uh, I asked him to read and I knew he couldn't read. And I was just like, and I didn't beat him up about it. I was like, oh, okay. You know, well, tell me what you see. You know, I. it's unconscionable to me. I. What are we doing? And and is this a problem just for black and brown children? I think so. I don't know. We have to do better. The future is not looking very bright, but the future is bright. The future is always bright, but it's bleak too. You know, we got some choices. Do we want a bright future or we want a bleak future? And there are some people who want a bleak future, who are doing everything in their power to make for a bleak future for all of us. Because a bright future just says too much promise of a different kind of world. And don't let anybody snatch that from us. Come on. Come on. There's a, there's a better day. There's got to be a better day. I'm so hopeful. I remain hopeful. And my faith in humans is, though it wanes, <laughs> though it wanes, I am. Uh, I am forever hopeful. I'm an optimist. I'm an optimist. Through, I think I was born this way, through and through. I, I believe in the greater good of people. I believe in the higher valor of people. I believe that people given opportunity will make right choices. I guess. I believe in that, you know. And 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 when it doesn't happen, I'm I'm sad. And, 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 you know, this whole notion of don't expect anything. How, how do you not expect things? I expect goodness. 
I, I don't want to be without expectation of things. How is that? What? Then I know people have a very rational explanation for, well, if you don't expect things, you're not disappointed. Well, you know what? Disappoint, disappointment is a is a real emotion. <laughs> and I dare say sometimes we should be disappointed. That way we could get up tomorrow and do better. I'm disappointed today, but you know what? Tomorrow, maybe I won't be. Maybe I'll maybe I won't be. It's all right to be disappointed, but you gotta. You got to at least make the attempt. If we don't make, if we don't ever get out the gate, how do we even know how far we'll go? If we don't get off the ground, how far? How do we know how high we could reach if we don't get off the ground? I expect all kinds of things. I expect people to treat me well, even when they don't treat me. And listen, listen, people sometimes don't treat me well. I still expect it. I know people say, oh, Babs, that's such a foolish thing. You know, if you just stop expecting people to be better than what they are, blah, 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 blah. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I expect. <laughs> when I turn on my water, when I turn my faucet on, I expect water. <laughs> I expect it to be clean and drinkable. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's, that's, I expect that. If it doesn't happen, then guess what I got to do? I got to go and figure out why it's not happening. Same thing. The brother last night made a good analogy about, uh, and I, I love it. I wish I could just say it just quite the way he said it. He's like, you know, he talks about how we have to um, keep children out of prisons. We have to keep children out of prison. He's like, you know, when, 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 when we, when we see trees that are diseased or something wrong with the tree, we, we create all kinds of studies to figure out what is wrong with that tree. And then we rescue that tree, <laughs> right? We, we rescue the tree. <laughs> if we, he used this other example. He's like, um, all the fish in the ocean go one way. If, if we're missing and they, and they migrate to a place or they show up somewhere, if five fish don't show up, we want to know why. <laughs> and we'll put all kinds of resources around why these particular fish didn't show up. And then we remedy it. We remedy it. We, we put money into studying it. We, we put money into examining it. And then we put money into remedying the problem. That's how we have to do our children. We have to, you know, we, we, we stay in study mode, but the remedies, we, we seem to be at a loss for how to, we know, we know what children need. We, we know what children need. We know how to rescue children. We don't want to pay for rescuing children or for some children. We don't want to pay because at, at, at every turn, particularly in this city, if we want to stop gun violence, we know how to stop gun violence. We're just not ready to put the money toward, toward what that means. You know, remove remove the reasons why, you know, that kids are are, are feeling like they got to be in gangs. Well, you know, you join gangs because you are isolated and alienated in other places. You want a sense of belonging. So if we have a sense of belonging, then no need of a gang. It could be a club. Then they can put guns down. I know this sounds very simple. It is. It is, but we, but you have to be willing to put resources and money. 
behind this. And resources and money will pay for people to, to be on the front lines. It'll pay for building of spaces, safe spaces for kids to be. It'll pay for tutoring. It'll pay for uh, uh, teacher salaries. It'll pay for teacher's assistance. Like it's it's all these things, right? It's all these things that we know makes sense. We know works. We know makes a, a huge impact, you know. So, and then, you know, I, and I hear you people like, well, they should get belonging from families. Well, yeah, that, okay. But if they don't, what is the community's responsibility? If they don't, what is the community's responsibility, right? What is the community's responsibility to take care of each other? That's our responsibility as humans. You know, I, I'm not asking you to like it. I'm asking you to sort of understand that we are all in this together. It is shared destiny. So if our kids go awry, guess what happens? <laughs> we, But we are willing to spend ridiculous amounts of money to warehouse them in prisons and not pour anything into them in these prisons because, well, it's punishment. We want them to come back into society, but we don't want to give them the skill sets to come back into society. What are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? We're just creating a cycle of, of recidivism and, and bleakness. Bleak. I mean, we know how to do this. You can't tell me with all the intellectual capital that we have in this world that we have in this city, that we cannot shut down gun violence, that we can't give children opportunities to do other things, that we don't have, that we are unwilling to allocate resources to, uh, to clean up and uplift communities, particularly communities that have historically been shut out of access and resources. You know that this is why this is why leadership is so critical. This is why municipal leadership is in, is important. This is why who your mayor is, who your city council is. That's why it's important. This is why it's important uh, because if you have somebody who has forward thinking mindset, who can lead uh, individuals toward thinking about what is in the best interest of the city and not be petty and small and ridiculous, you know, that's what leadership is. And and everybody doesn't have leadership. And people can say whatever they want, you know, because I know, I, I already know people say, oh, oh, Babs, you made some mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. All right. I, let me tell you, let me tell you how I learned from them. You want that? Because <laughs> I can tell you how I learned from them. I can tell you that. You know, so don't don't come at me with you made some mistakes. All right, I ain't killed nobody. <laughs> people, people I know in my household still standing. I'm, what I'm telling you is what I know. You know, I know I know how to build community. I know how to build community. I know how to talk to people. Uh, I do. I've been talking to people all my life. You know, you can see what the problems are. I I don't need another study. We can see. Now, you know, we need access to resources. Pour some resources into these communities. Just pour, just pour resources in. Because there's people already doing the work. 
allow them more money to do more work. There's resources. We just need more resources, you know, and, and without judgment, right? Just more resources. I bet you, you could turn things around in two years, two years, you know, you, you need like a dozen outlaws out. You need a dozen outlaws out there, you know, you need, you need a bunch of people out there. You need a bunch of leaps in, in every neighborhood. You need a, a bunch of boys and girls clubs. You need a you need a lot. You know, you need opportunities for dance and music everywhere, all the time. That'll make a difference. Then they can put guns down. You know, then they can duke it out with a flute, right? <laughs> battle of the flutes, <laughs> not battle of the guns, you know. We got to give them something else on their minds. And we're not doing that. We're failing them. We're failing them. And we look upon them with such disdain. So I'm going to take a break. I'll be back with uh, Patty Russo. My friend, Patty Russo. She's coming to talk about the campaign school. I wish I had a boa. Now I need to keep some boas at the house. So when she comes on, I'll just be ready. <laughs> I'm excited to have her on. The campaign school is back and it's back in person. I think last year they they came back in person for real. This year they're back in person. And uh, listen, it's a, it's a good training ground. And and uh, a lot of folks won this year. A lot of women who came to the campaign school won their elections this year. And I was very proud. And she's got, uh, uh, if you follow them on, on, in, on the uh, social media, you see them. You see all the all the women that have come through and all the, and it's Women's History Month. So, so no better way to end the month. So I'll be back. Y'all tune back in. Y'all know what to do. Find, find the link. Harry got you. I'll see you back. 15. Hi, this is Babs Rawls-Ivy from New Haven, Connecticut. And you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org.
hour of Love Babs Love Talk. I am ending Women's History Month with my great love, Patty Russo, who runs the campaign school campaign school at Yale. Hey, Patty Russo. Hi, sweetie pie. How are you? You want to add yourself and, and tell everybody that you're one of ours? You're one of our rock stars. I am a happy, so happy graduate. She's proud so proud. graduate. We're so proud of her and the way in which she leads and in all her boldness, all her fabulousness. So how appropriate that we're ending the month, but we, we never end celebrating women in leadership, do we Babs ever? No, we never do. We never, never do. Never. So how are you? How are you? I'm really wonderful. I really am wonderful. You know, we're, um, our five day training is back on the Yale Law School campus. Yay. After That's such a good place for it, too. long years in COVID. I mean, can you even believe that we pulled that off, that we we did 60 hours of, of training via Zoom the last two years? But, you know, we did it. We did it. So we're thrilled to be back at the law school. I know you're spending quite a bit of time at the law school these days yourself. You're back oh, there yourself. am I? <laughs> we are you. Yeah, so it's our, our 28th class, Babs. Wow. Uh-huh, 28 years. Um, we love Yale Law School. We love Heather Dean, the uh, Heather Dean, Heather Gherkin, the Dean, and Associate Dean Mike Thompson. And, you know, Yale Law School professor Kate Stiff has been with us since the beginning. So mm-hmm. she's been on uh, with us for over close to 30 years now. Um, that's the kind of wonderful support. We have found a happy home at Yale Law School. And of course, the most amazing first lady of Yale, Marna Moret, is our yes. campaign school at Yale board president. So she's um, just amazing. So we have just an incredible dream team at Yale. And we're just so grateful for their continuing support. So I'm in the middle of applications. How's it going? So when does it start? When? Because I, I, I think Harry might put up at some point, um, the flyer that you have floating around. Oh, that would be great. The so, last minute. Uh, yeah. You got it till April 10th or something, yeah, right? Plenty of time. There's plenty of time to complete the application. It's on our website, tcsyale.org. Fill it out. We require one letter of recommendation for someone who's going to share with us how wonderful you are, how appropriate you are to join us. Um, and again, there there's two weeks left in the cycle. And so I've been busy interviewing candidates and, um, you know, spending a lot of time back on the campus, which has been wonderful, uh, gearing up for the Broadway show that is the campaign school at Yale. <laughs> yeah. So before, before we jump more into that, how did the, uh, the, the training with uh, CCM go? It was amazing. It gets better and better every year. So this was our third year with CCM. You know, we partnered with CCM. This is our third year. And every year it's a different focus, which I love. So this year, the focus was uh, getting more people of color engaged on the local level. So working on campaigns for mayor, for selectmen um, and the like, or thinking about running for these local um, um, positions, board of ed, board of finance, you know, they're all, they're all open. This is the cycle for that. The 22 the 2023 cycle before the huge 2024 presidential cycle is a very important cycle. You know, all politics is local, Babs, as you know. Mm -hmm. And so to give a people of color the opportunity to give them the guidebook uh, to kind of help them, you know, get engaged, connected on the local level 
has been extremely rewarding this year. And of course, the, um, you know, the numbers keep building, you know, and that is what I'm so grateful for. See, CCM understands that it's not a one hit wonder, Babs, as you know, building, right, building out, um, creating opportunities for people who have felt left out of the political world uh, forever here. Um, you know, we, and so I'm so grateful to CCM for continuing to make the commitment to co-sponsor this, this event with us every year. And we'll be yes. back next year. Oh, I can't wait. I, yeah. I always thought it was when you first launched it, I was like, man, this is a good marriage. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is it ever? And you know, I have, I have fallen, you know, totally fallen for Ron Thomas. He's my, well, he, he's, he's my best. I know he's your, he, he was yours first and thank you for sharing. <laughs> he is such a phenomenal leader. Uh, he's so radically collaborative and kind and, you know, we just need more of that in politics, Babs, as you know, we need more loving kindness. You know, we just need more open conversation, thoughtful conversation. And we have that with our, you know, our partner at CCM. Mm -hmm. All right. So when does the, uh, when does the, the, uh, the five days kick off? When is it? It's the week of June 12th. You have to come over. Okay. It's the week of June 12th through the 16th at Yale Law School. Um, and as you know, you know, we start at dawn. So if you're, um, <laughs> yeah, so um, if your fans here want to take a look at the schedule, so the 2022 schedule, which we did, you know, on Zoom, we will be doing in person. We tweak it every year. You know, we want to make sure that we're training um, to the most important uh, uh, skills that uh, candidates will need. Um, but if they go on tcsel.org under facts, they'll find the summer schedule and they will see how intense it is. Well, you know. Oh, it's intense. My kids was like, man. <laughs> yeah, it's rigorous, it's competitive. But like as you know, Dabs, we prepare you for anything that comes your way on the campaign trail. And it's gotten very uh, mean spirited out there. You know, it's gotten it's gotten yeah. rough out there. So we don't want any bad surprises. Um, happening on behalf of our grads. So, you know, our program, our mission is to increase the number of women in the political pipeline. We're doing well, but we, we've got a ways to go, as you know, both in Connecticut and nationally. And so until we reach parity, we've got to, you know, we've got to continue to train um, women who are excited and have the, um, you know, have the, the interest uh, and passion to run, as you know, Babs, it takes a lot of energy to run for office. It, it takes does. a lot of energy to run a campaign. You know, a lot of times women initially will think, oh, I'm going to apply to the campaign school because I want to be a campaign manager, thinking that it's less terrifying than being the candidate. <laughs> you still have a bullseye on your back. I mean, that's <laughs> like the bottom line. You still have a bullseye on your back. So you might as well come and join us for what you really, truly would love to do. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, as you know, Babs, look, you were you were with us in 1999. Look how close we are. I mean, that is the beauty of our community, our La Familia. Um, we stay close to our grads. We know our grads. You know, I lovingly stalk them on social media. If I see them faltering, they get a little they get a call from me. <laughs> if they're doing something great, they also hear from me. But that's the kind of connection that we keep with our grads, because as you know, when you are out campaigning, you're going to have a bad day. You're going to have a bad day. Patty, I can't find my campaign manager. Patty, 
my fundraiser is costing me more money than bringing money in. Like what's, what's wrong with this picture? And you start feeling very isolated and you start thinking, oh, this is only happening to me. It's not. So we pivot, you know, we have a Zoom call with our grad or I'll have coffee with our grads and I'll just say, get over yourself. It's happening to everybody out there. Let's just pivot. You know, you're just having a bad day and just kind of like writing the ship, right? Writing mm-hmm. the campaign a little bit. That's all they need. So, you know, we are always, I mean, that is a busy time for me, the campaign cycle. I'm talking to our grads all the time who need some advice, um, need some support. So we like to say that beyond the five day, we are there for our grads. We are the safety net for our grads. And you and you recruit folks from across the world. Correct. Right? Like Correct. it's not just Connecticut. I Correct. Mean, folks, I mean, Exactly. Folks come from around the world, from, exactly. from developing nations, even. Correct. You know? <laughs> Correct. Correct. So we do have women coming from all over the country, the United States this year, and including Connecticut. Um, but we also have a 10% of our uh, women are coming from other parts of the world, thanks to our, um, again, 28-year relationship with the International Republican Institute. They vet Uh, (coughs) leaders throughout the world and they send them to our school every year. So this year we have 10 women coming from, from all over the world, which is. Wow. Oh my God, Patty. You you let me know what is the best day. It's the week of June 12th to the 16th. And as I said, our online application deadline is April 10th, Monday, April 10th. So again, Plenty of time to get the application in. And even though I know that your your show is based in New Haven, I did want to, um, but I know everybody, you have fans everywhere in Connecticut and the world, Babs. Um, but in Fairfield County, we have a wonderful opportunity for Fairfield County residents. As you know, we have tuition scholarships for accepted students, no matter where they live. But this year, I'm really excited to announce that the Fund for Women and Girls of the Fairfield County Community Foundation has awarded us funds to cover 10 tuition scholarships this year for 10 women of color leaders in Fairfield County. Wow. Pretty amazing. And Fairfield County is, what is that? Does that... Does that include Bridgeport or is that? Yes, it includes Bridgeport. Oh, see, there you go. Danbury, Stamford, Norwalk, Greenwich. Yeah. So. Oh, that's good. It's so wonderful. And we're so, again, that's why we're, we're so grateful for all of the collaborations that we have out there, Babs, because it just makes the difference. This is making such a difference for Fairfield County women of color to think maybe this is the year for me. You know, maybe yes. this is the year. For me to get that application in and to head up to New Haven to Yale uh, and join the campaign school, and that's what we're seeing. So we have we're seeing traction like never before among women of color from Fairfield County. Well, you know what? It's it's a critical time. If if, if there's never been a critical, I had the Lieutenant um, Bicewitz on before you this morning for mm. twenty minutes or so. Uh, and and it has never b- been a better time for women to get involved in politics because these issues that we are facing are are targeted and directed at women and women, mm-hmm. particularly mm-hmm. women of color, have got mm-hmm. to um, uh, suit up and get in this game. And mm-hmm. and you got to be trained to do it, right? Like you have you, to. You you have to be, Babs. You know how 
complicated it is, you know how expensive it is. You know, politics is a business. It's not a hobby. It's a business. And so <laughs> why not? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank Harry. you, Harry. Here I am. Here's the little <laughs> alarm clock. Not not ringing until Monday, April 10th. Um, but yeah, the business, it's a business. You don't want to make those expensive rookie mistakes that are going to cost you money. You know, every dime that you raise is precious. You want to yes. be able to use it wisely. We want to skew our grads for success. And that's what the training does. And, you know, it's four days of 12-hour days and one day of an eight-hour day. So, yes, we mimic the energy of a political campaign. We, again, want to make you um, well-prepared, excited. It's, it's exhilarating and exhausting. But you will be there will be no bad surprises on the campaign trail for you because you'll know what to expect because you've been trained by us. Mm -hmm. So I I wanted to just say something about uh, Lieutenant Governor Bysowitz because she's too humble to say this. We have a phenomenal friend in our Lieutenant Governor. She's a girlfriend. I mean, she is there for us. So several years ago when she um, ran a campaign for herself and she had campaign funds left over, she donated that $50,000 to our school, Babs, so that every year a student from Connecticut will be the Susan Bysowitz Scholarship Awardee. Wow. Yeah. So that's been going on for 15 years now. That is the kind of commitment that we have from our Lieutenant Governor. I did not know that. Now, I learned something new today. I did not know that. It's my job. It's what I do. (laughs) but yeah isn't that amazing that's the kind of support you know for for a a state that's so small we're so powerful because we have amazing women in leadership you know just phenomenal leaders who really get it who get the whole idea of the pipeline and the importance of paying it forward Mm -hmm. so she's making a difference between a woman attending or not that's that's everything yeah yeah grateful to her yeah so very grateful to her and all the ways that you can remove barriers for women to uh, to engage at this level, because this is a high level of engagement, mm-hmm. um, the better off we are. You know, I mean, it, listen, it ain't cheap. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's a it's a quality experience. It's not mm-hmm. it's not cheap. Um, it is world class. And uh, and listen, listen, you can you can uh, flip the pages on all the successful women that we know on the political field who have come through the campaign school and are running stuff and are sitting in offices as we speak because they came through. And, you know, that's what's so wonderful about taking these moments to breathe, Babs, and to celebrate all, you know, on our social media, February and March, we've been celebrating our grads. You know, many of our grads and all. Oh, I love watching it. I have a job. (laughs) I know. It's just been incredible. We have so many to celebrate. So we started in February for Black History Month, and then we rolled right in. We didn't miss a beat. We rolled right into Women's History Month. It's just been phenomenal to be able to celebrate literally hundreds of grads at our school who are leading in the world. It's It's been impressive to watch. I was like, oh, I was like, oh. So I was lucky enough to be at the White House last week for the Women's oh, really? Celebration. 
Um, and there I bump into Lauren Underwood, who's one of our grads. And yes. She, oh, and Nikema Williams, one of our grads. And, you know, just so proud of them and the leadership that they've t- taken. They just hit the ground running. Uh, as you know, Lauren Underwood is the youngest African-American woman ever elected to Congress. They're so proud of her. And, you know, when you just have a sense about uh, students who come through our school like you, it's like, oh, she's she's going to be a force. She's going to be a force. That's certainly how we felt about Lauren and Akima. Now, Becca Ballant from Vermont, yes. uh, elected member of Congress. She's one of ours, you know, first first woman elected from Vermont. Unbelievable, but true. And first LBGTQ candidate elected. Mm, so mm. we're just so proud of the way in which our 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 grads lead in the world because they know that not only are they representing themselves, they're representing our school. Yeah, that's a and that's a wonderful thing. Um, and and so you know, it used to be considered. It used to be called uh, the the uh, the campaign women. school at Yale for women. Well, it used to be called the women's campaign women's school. Camp- yeah. So when you were with with us, it was the Women's Campaign School at Yale. So about four years ago, we started getting calls from uh, many of uh, the human rights campaign folks saying, you know, Patty, we just want to send our our students to you. Um, What would you think about uh, changing the name to be more inclusive? So we talked about it. We met. And so that's when we decided to be more uh, open and and inclusive. So not only does our school, um, of course, welcome women, uh, our, our, our mission remains the same to increase the number of women in the political pipeline. So if that is something that you embrace, you are welcome to apply. But now we have non, more non-binary individuals applying and we have more men applying. You know, a couple of years ago, we've always accepted men but I think, you know, when we had the word woman in our our name, they just said, oh, this isn't for me. But, you know, a couple of years ago, I got two frantic calls from men independently of each other that said, hey, I'm running a campaign for, you know, a female candidate. I know that there are challenges that she's going to face that I have no idea about because I'm not a woman. I need to come to your school. Can I come to your school? <laughs> right. So the men who are, we've accepted three men, the men who are coming to our school all embrace our mission, of course, but one in particular, he's in his career politically, he's only worked for women candidates. So uh, we need more collaboration, right? We need um, everybody supporting the mission, embracing the mission, because that's that's the only way we're going to be able to achieve true political parity in our country. Mm. I love that's a great story. Like that's mm. such a good story about mm-hmm. men and men wanting wanting to support coming because they want to support the women candidates, right? And they want to be better prepared. Exactly. And you know me, Babs. You know what I say during the information sessions. We're not for everybody. We're not. <laughs> if you're asking me where where can I go out to eat when I'm going to your school, you're not gonna have time to go to the bathroom. There's no time to, to to go out to eat. That is the intensity of the uh, of the program. Or where can I go sightseeing? And you know, all of this. We're not that place. You know, we are not that place. And so, just you know, we we have a very rigorous program. Uh, we have a very rigorous competitive um, application process. 
But if you really believe that you have earned a seat at our school, please apply. You know, we will we will take you to, um, uh, you know, train you. Um, and again, everything that that you need to um, to to really comprehend and and take with you once you are beyond the five days with us. Mm. That's how talk about the team. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish what you no, want to say. No. So that's what everybody says. So on Monday of school, I'll, you know, I start my opening, welcoming everyone, Marta and I welcome everyone. Um, and we say by Wednesday, you're not going to recognize yourself just by virtue of meeting your colleagues, other students, the faculty from both sides of the aisle. As you know, we are a nonpartisan school. Um, nonpartisan issue net neutral school, so you don't have to be pro or con an issue to come to our school. We give our students the opportunity to get to know each other as people first, Babs, and uh, that's not happening often, you know, out in the world. So by Wednesday, I'll say to them, just by virtue of the phenomenal training you're receiving, getting to know your, uh, you know, your colleagues in the class and being at Yale Law School. Don't you feel brilliant every time you, you're, you're, you're at Yale Law School? I do. It's going to change you, right? You're not going to be the same person that you, you know, arrived being. So by Wednesday of school, they start coming up to me because I know on Monday they're rolling their eyes in their heads like, oh my God. But by Wednesday, they're coming up to me saying, you know, I feel differently about myself. I feel more confident, Patty. I feel more self-assured. I feel like anything I choose to do out there when I leave, I'll be able to do. So you know what that feels like when you have this sense of confidence that no matter what path you choose, you're going to succeed because you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, that's so good. So talk about the, the team that you assembled to help do this. this oh, we have an amazing team. As you know, it takes a village, Babs. We have a phenomenal team. Uh, we have a, as I said, a very active admissions committee that have been doing this work with me forever uh, since the beginning of, of the school. We have a very, very active, engaged curriculum committee that is comprised of political consultants from both sides of the aisle. So, you know, we're always tweaking the curriculum to make sure that we are sharing the, you know, the most up-to-date information that, that students need to succeed. So we have, you know, how to put a campaign plan together, how to speak, um, fundraising. You know, we everybody's for campaign finance reform, Babs. Everybody, I can't find a, can, a politician who isn't, but until we have it, we deal in reality at the campaign school at Yale. And so as a result of that, we, we um, spend almost a, an entire half day talking about putting the fund in fundraising, because you have got to know, you have to achieve a level of comfort and confidence in bringing that money into your campaign. It doesn't matter if you have a phenomenal message that no one can hear and no one can receive because you haven't raised the money to get it out. So that's why, you know, the, the, uh, the, the training is so critical. Um, social media, social media is huge. I mean, look at the way in which we have learned to use social media like we never ever before could ever imagine, right? We live on Zoom now, right? 
We're half dressed all the time now, right? And what's been really funny, Babs, is, you know, now that I'm back out in the world, thank goodness, you know, extrovert that I am, I'm so happy to be back out hugging people again, um, is that, you know, before, before the pandemic, I barely knew what Zoom was. Now I live on it, right? <laughs> and I'm grateful for the technology, but nothing is better than being together, right? Yes. Nothing is better than being on that campus together. So our, our grads are trained all day at Yale Law School. Then we take a break for dinner. And then at night, we divide them up randomly, politically, randomly into their small case study groups where they do their homework. And that homework becomes the Friday of school, their political presentation in front of a Democratic and Republican judge. Again, we want to make sure that everything we have been throwing at them all week, they comprehend, that they have internalized, that they understand how to use the skills that we have shared. So um, that's why it's so intense. That's why it's so amazing. Um, that's why you will be ready for anything that comes your way. So for instance, last year, we started to get a lot of, you know, a lot of calls from our grads who were experiencing some kind of violence on the campaign trail. Oh being my God. By people being Ugh. physically attacked. And so that's when we decided that we needed a, a, a module on campaign security on the campaign trail. How do I keep myself safe? How do I keep my family safe? You know, I'm the one that decided to run for office. And even though I made that decision in consultation with my family, it doesn't mean that they are, you know, why are they on the front line suddenly? We had a grad who was receiving death threats, um, who's a single mom, whose children were being videotaped on their way to school uh, by her opponents. You know, do you know, do you know your mom is X? Oh, yeah. It's gotten really ugly. And I, you know, I hear about a moment like that and I think it has become even more challenging for women, right? How do we keep our grads safe, right? That's what it's about. So we have this amazing module now, security on the campaign trail, mm -hmm. uh, where we have um, grads come in and um, uh, law enforcement of, uh, officials talking about the importance of keeping yourself safe. If you don't feel safe, how are you going to get your message out? You're and then, you know, that is so... over your shoulder. That is so different than when I went through this. That that wasn't even a conversation. Uh -huh. I mean, I just and, and I and I will tell you when I ran for office uh, twice and won twice, uh, I had a security issue, right? Mm -hmm. And and I had it had to be addressed, um, and it was addressed, and then that was the end of it, right? Mm -hmm. I, this stalking business and this, you know, filming you, and I mean, mm -hmm. I I I that would have unnerved me quite a it's bit. It's rattling. It is. It's rattling. Or you know, when you show up for a debate, right, you show up for your debate, your League of Women Voters debate, and your opponent decides not to show up. What do I do? I oh, yeah. There's okay. a lot of that. There's a lot of that. A lot of that happened this cycle. And so I literally received a call from a grad who was getting ready to take the stage at her League of Women Voters uh, uh, debate. Patty, my, my opponent just called out, the League is going to cancel the debate. And I said, you go up there, you take the stage and you say, I'm so sorry my opponent chose not to attend tonight, but I'm here. You care enough to be here. Let's have a conversation. I'm happy to answer any questions. 
tell me what's on your mind. So again, it's about make, you know, maximizing the moment, turning mm-hmm. that around. She could have just gone home, right? Canceled, you know, sorry, and gone home. But instead, seized the moment, took advantage of it, and, and was there for over an hour in conversation with potential constituents. And guess what? She won. That's so good. That's what we do for our grads. You know, when you have that moment of, oh, oh no, this just happened. Now what? Let's turn it around. Let's shift it. Let's make it work to your advantage. And that's what we do all the time for our grads. I love it. I love it. This is such a a wonderful opportunity. So now what's the number that you feel comfortable capping at for for class? 80. 80 is our max. Yeah, 80 is always (laughs) our max for our five day. And at some point, I'd love if we have time, Babs, to talk about the one day a little bit. But The five day, we only take 80 and we only take 80 because we really, again, want to get to know our grads, right? As you know, I am the Italian mom on duty. No one gets lost in that class. Everyone is seen, everyone's valued, and everyone's loved. Everyone has a voice. Um, And is everyone is respectful. You know, in our 28 years, we've never had an issue. You know, things are so mean spirited out there. But in our our school, in our classes, we have none of that. We have none of that. It's Mm. really the golden rule. And I hope that once they leave our school, that they they carry that that feeling in their hearts and they lead that way. All right. Well, we got like two minutes. Talk about one day. Okay. So the one day was created for people who are not ready for the five day. So after the 2016 election, when many women were calling us shocked that Hillary Clinton had lost, oh, you know, I probably should have done more. And now what? And maybe I want to run. Come to find out that so many of the women that were reaching out to us at that time weren't even registered to vote. So I got them registered to vote. Then I gave them a political homework assignment. Um, And then um, I thought to myself, I need to raise money to start a whole new level of training. So that's what CCM uh, and I collaborate on. It's the campaign school at Yale, the basics. And people can, again, sign up for our newsletter uh, at our website, tcsel.org, and find out when we will be running the next one-day training. Not everybody's ready for the five-day everybody's ready for the one day. That's the beauty of that level of training. So I invite your audience to um, to join us and learn how to be a more effective leader in their communities. Oh, it's always a pleasure, Patty Russo. I love always you. Always a pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you for so rounding much. out my Women's History Month. I appreciate you. Uh-huh. I love you and I'll see you. And soon. I'll see you. Yeah, I'll see you next week. Or yeah. we're gonna be at we're gonna be at a couple of things together. So I'll see you. <laughs> yeah, you will. I have to bring my boa for sure. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was Thank wonderful. Thank you so much. So Enjoy the rest the of your weekend. Best. You're Thank the you, best. Man. Thank you, Patty. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Harry. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Harry. I'll see you all on Monday. Y'all have a good weekend. Hi, this is Babs Rawls Ivy from New Haven, Connecticut. And you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org.